they'll fight over it. But then they get around church, they won't be dignified. Amen. If you, um, while you're looking for your place, I'll just, um, I'd like to say, um, I don't know if they're in the rack over there, but I also ordered some invitations for the Christmas revival and for the watch night service. Brother Quentin, can you make sure that those are set out after church for folks to grab? And, and it's, just, it's just a card. One side is an invitation to the Christmas revival. The other side's invitation to the um, watch night service. Please, we've ordered, I think, 4,000 of them. So stick them everywhere, amen? And um, don't put them on anybody's windshield. I found out the hard way when it rains, it'll stick to the window, and then they'll call the church and complain. So, so, so don't do that. Amen. Um, and uh, Brother Joel Yunt will be traveling with me to Korea. We'll leave very early in the morning. Uh, so please pray for us. Um, I always tell folks, um, please pray the airplane stays in the air as long as it's supposed to. Um, I, I know I'm going to heaven. I'm just concerned with how I'm going to get there. And, and cra crashing through the gate in the 747 is not my desired entrance. <laughs> Amen. And, and so, um, so, so um, and then just one more thing before I get into the message. I had somebody come to me before church tonight, and they think they, they had been financially scammed. And, 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 and I just, I want to I wanna encourage, and, and I, I don't want to speak to anybody like they're ignorant. But I especially want to encourage our, our elderly that, that have a really good heart. Everybody's not like you. And, and there's people out there that want to steal everything you have from you. And if, if random people come up to you asking you for your personal information, even if you're interested, don't give it to them. If, if you're interested in, in buying something, go to a, a, a legitimate place of business and purchase it there. Um, and this is, I, I heard in the past something like this happened and then somebody tonight walked right out the prayer room and they wanted to grab me and tell me that they think they've been scammed. And, and so, um, you know, pray for this individual, if you will. Um, as of now, they don't, nothing has happened yet, but some information was obtained. But I want to encourage and, 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 and also warn that you, you guard against this, amen? Amen. And, and so tonight, um, I'd like to continue with a thought about wisdom. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, open our hearts by the Holy Ghost and help us, Lord, and give liberty in the service. You know I'm fully dependent on you. I have no power or anything good in me that's able to help anybody. So, Lord, we lean on you tonight. And I ask you, Lord, by your good grace, your good mercy, and by your omnipotent power, that you would open the heavens and just pour out your blessings. Speak to our souls Help us, challenge us, change us, help us to bring you glory. Convict us where necessary, comfort us where necessary. The will of the Lord be done. And dear Lord, make in us that peculiar people that are zealous of good works and on fire for you, living biblically for the Son of God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Um, I'd like to read the same verses I did this morning, verse number five through eight of James chapter number one. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. 
Several weeks ago, there's a verse that the Lord gave me. And when he gave it to me, I wrote it down. And I knew that he wanted me to preach from that verse, but, but that's all I knew. So I just wrote it down and stuck it in the front of my Bible. And I was waiting on the Lord to show me when to preach. And then as I got into the book of James and I started dealing with these verses, I find here the Bible talking about lacking wisdom and seeking wisdom and, and not wavering and, 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 and seeking wisdom according to faith. And, and so if you'll look with me in the book of John, chapter number 7, um, and, 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 and while you're finding your place there, as I read these verses in James, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. So if, if you're weak in wisdom, if you're lacking wisdom, we can ask of God and he will give it. And that's a promise. Amen. That's a promise. He will give it. That does not mean he's going to give you what you want. And it doesn't mean he's going to give me what I want. But it means he's going to give us what we're asking him for. Wisdom. And then in verse number six, but let him ask of faith, nothing wavering. And, and the thought that's on my heart tonight is wisdom in walking with God. Wisdom in walking with God. I think if I, if I ask, as a matter of fact, I'm just going to ask. If you're interested in walking with God, will you raise your hand? Well, if not every hand, almost every hand in the church has gone up. And, and so I would say tonight, if we really want to walk with God, then we need to know how to do that. Amen. The Bible does not teach, well, just go do whatever you want in your own way, and that's walking with God. That's heresy. Yep. The Lord Jesus Christ said plainly, if you love me, keep my commandments. He said in, in Luke chapter 14, he said, not everybody's my disciple, but those that are, and he defined a very specific way. And so the Bible gives us wisdom. The Bible gives us insight in how to walk with God. And, and so if any man lack wisdom, let, a, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him, but let him ask in faith nothing wavering. And so if we want to walk with God, and we're asking God, God, teach me how to walk with you. Well, that means when he shows us how, it said, let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. That means that when we ask God to show us how to walk with him, our heart needs to be, okay, Lord, when you show me, that's the way I'm going. Right. Yep. That I'm not going to waver, I'm not going to change, I'm not going to turn from it, but that I'm going to go that direction. Yep. Notice the next verse. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. There are those that say they want to walk with God, but then when they find out what God said, well, they turn and, and do a different thing and go a different way. Yep. And you know what they're likened unto? In other parts of the Bible, the Bible talks in the book of Ephesians about the reason that pastors were given, that teachers were given, that evangelists were given, that those prophets were given. There's a reason for it. Yep. So that we could be established and founded in the faith. So that we wouldn't be blown about with every wind of doctrine. Amen. But let him ask in faith nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. And so I would say tonight, as we look into uh, the wisdom in walking with God, well, when we look into the word and what the word of God teaches about things, is that the way that we're going or are we wavering? For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. So God is not going to bless and God is not going to honor 
us saying that we're living for him and going contrary to what he said. My friend, let me encourage all of us tonight, including myself, not to mistake God's mercy for his approval. Not to forsake his mercy for his blessing. His word, God is very clear. He said exactly what he meant. He meant exactly what he says. He does not mince his words. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So I would submit to you tonight that if a person says they want to walk with God, and then before them is presented the truth about how to walk with God, and they refuse to receive that truth and place that truth into their life in walking with God, then they're a double-minded person. Because their heart, their mind is not being honest about following the Lord. And so tonight, let's look into what the book of James, later in the book of James, it'll call the word of God, the perfect law of liberty. Let's look into the word of God tonight, if you will, here in John chapter number seven. And I want to look at verse number 16. In this verse, a couple weeks ago, it got all over me and it's been in my heart and mind ever since. Jesus answered them. Well, let me back up to verse 14. Now about the midst of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and taught. And the Jews marveled, saying, how knoweth this man letters, having never learned? May I say, friend, that if you want to walk with God, there's always going to be somebody in the religious crowd, whether they're the religious Pharisees or whether they're the religious liberals. There's always going to be the religious Pharisees and the religious liberals that are going to fight tooth and nail against walking with God. But if you have a person who just respects God, if you have a person with a pure heart, they just respect what God said, and you just show them plainly, this is what God said, that person won't give you an issue. But you find here, there was the religious people, and there they are. Jesus is teaching the doctrine of God, and they're over there murmuring. Nothing's changed much, has it? You get to preaching the doctrine of God, and somebody's going to start murmuring. Somebody's going to start complaining when you preach what Jesus said. The apostle Paul talked about there was going to come that day when people were going to want their ears tickled. People were going to hear, want to hear what, what they like. That's a different message. John 7, verse 14. Now about the midst of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and taught, and the Jews marveled, saying, How knoweth this man letters, having never learned? Isn't it amazing? He's there teaching a message from God, and all they're doing is looking for some way to criticize him. Isn't that horrible? I just want to say, God, help me to never get to that place. Amen. Verse number 16, Jesus answered them. Jesus didn't always answer them, but he answered them that day. Jesus answered them and said, my doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. And so tonight with this thought, I want to preach about wisdom in walking with God. And if we're going to have wisdom in walking with God, then we need to walk in God's doctrine. Not my doctrine, not your doctrine. Jesus said, hey, my doctrine is not mine, but it's his that sent me. Tabernacle Baptist Church needs God's doctrine. Tabernacle Baptist Church needs God's doctrine in every place. And that's the only doctrine that should be in place. 
And so as my mind thought about this, I thought and processed so many different doctrines in the Bible. The first and foremost, no doubt, undoubtedly, the most important doctrine to man, the doctrine of salvation. That God, the Holy One of Israel, he sent his son, Jesus Christ. Now God, he created all things innocent. He created all things good. People, they want to say, well, why did God allow this? God didn't allow this. God created all things right. God created man innocent. But God being a perfect gentleman, good and holy and righteous and pure as he is, he doesn't force himself on anybody. He won't force himself on you. and He won't force himself on me. He gave them a choice. Now, now the, the, the Calvinists, I, I just don't get along well with them. They, they, they think, well, 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 God is sovereign. Well, he is sovereign. And God is so sovereign that he sovereignly chose to give you and me free will. And they can't handle that. But God is sovereign, and his choice to give free will was his sovereign decision. And God, he created all things good, all things pure, all things innocent. But he gave Adam and Eve a choice. And there that day in the garden, as Satan came tempting Eve, she listened. She took that fruit, and she ate of it. She gave to her husband, and he ate with her. To make a long story short, they rebelled against God. They rebelled against God. And that day, the curse of sin fell upon all men and on this world. And God, as the voice of the Lord God came walking in the garden, he called out for Adam. And Adam hid himself because he was naked. And the Lord said, well, who told you that you're naked? And then he said, did you eat of the tree that I commanded you not to? And then Adam blamed his wife and his wife blamed a serpent. And, and, and then you find there in the garden the first sacrifice for sin. Adam and Eve, they, they made coats of skins and they tried by their own works and their own ability to cover their sin. It never works. Yep, yep. But, but then you find that, that the Lord God made them coats of skins. Well, you know what was required to get those skins off the animal? They had to die. And God sacrificed in the Garden of Eden an animal as, as, a, as a picture, as a testimony of what one day the Lord Jesus Christ would do for you and me. Amen. 2,000 years ago in Israel, the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary and told her that she was going to bear a son and he'd be called the son of the highest. He'd be called the son of God. And he came into this world. He was born, as it was saying, born to die on Calvary. He was good, he was holy, he was righteous, he was innocent, he was pure. He healed people, he helped people. He touched, he touched the blind and they saw, the lame and they walked, the dumb and they talked. He even touched the dead and they got up. John chapter 19 verse 7 said, they crucified him because he called himself the son of God. Well, he was and he is. They crucified him because of who he is. He died there. By the providence of God for your sins and mine. But he said in Revelation 1.18, I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I'm alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. He didn't stay dead. But three days later, he arose again. And the Bible said that, that he's seated at the right hand of the majesty on high in the heavens. And he ever liveth to make intercession for you and I.
And there, the Lord Jesus Christ with his blood bought our salvation. The book of Hebrews said that for the New Testament, it required the death, the blood of the testator. That's why Jesus Christ said, this is the New Testament in my blood. Because we would not have the New Testament without the blood of the Son of God. I think of the doctrine of salvation. I think of the doctrine of God's sovereignty. Oh, he is in control of all things. He indeed is God. He is the high and holy one that inhabiteth eternity whose name is holy. He is good. He is merciful. He is powerful. He's my Lord. He's the king of tabernacle, amen? Amen. I think about these other doctrines that are taught all through the word of God. About surrendering unto God. We find in the word of God very quickly, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. That teaches you and me that there is a way that we can present ourselves to God that is unacceptable. You know what's unacceptable to God? When things are not holy. And the Bible said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. But then it said this, which is your reasonable service. This is not any big thing being demanded. This is is just something that, that should be. I think of that Mary who who anointed the Lord's feet with that ointment. There she was, a harlot woman, a wicked woman. And she needed the forgiveness of the Lord. And she come in weeping at the feet of the Son of God. And she she broke that alabaster box of that ointment and and her very tears watered his feet. And she wiped his feet with her hairs. Because she realized who he was and she realized how she should be in surrender to him. But there are people in churches all across this land and around this world and they say they love God and they say they're Christians, but they have their shotguns of rebellion up on God and they will not bow to what God said. My friend, there is a problem with their Christianity. To be honest, I question if they are one. But if they are one, may I say there's a big problem in their heart, in their relationship with God. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world. Let me ask you a question, my friend. Why are so many churches trying to conform to the world? Why do so many churches want their stage to look like a rock concert? Why, why, why is this? My friend, the Bible said the friend of the world is the enemy of God. They say, well, well, they got a big crowd. My friend, when has the crowd ever been a follower of God? Are we interested in the crowd or are we interested in walking with God? Beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is in a reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Yes. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect 
will of God. You want wisdom in how to walk with God? Our mind has to change. Our heart has to change. Our ways have to change. We have to change. Jesus doesn't change. We change. You look at those in the word of God that God used, such as Saul who became Paul. There he was, a religious, wicked, religious man. And, and, and who changed? Did Jesus change? No. But the, transfer the transformation took place in his heart and in his life. You want to walk with God, my friend? I want to walk with God. It's got to be his way. It's got to be his way. He said, my doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. My friend, this doctrine of salvation, it came from God. This doctrine of how sovereign and high and holy, how perfect and pure he is, it's from him. This doctrine of how you and I, if we're going to walk with him, how we have to be surrendered to him, it's from him. Not only surrendered though, but in submission. I think I preached the other week and, and, and um, you study these words out and they're so similar, yet they're different. You know, you could be surrendered to God and at the same time, not quick to submit to what he said. You could be submitted to God and still have something you're struggling to surrender. And see, that surrender, it, it means that, that I, I put down my resistance. Just those shotguns that are up there, just put them down. Those heels that are dug in, you just kick them off. You just surrender. The white flag goes up. Lord, I'm not going to fight you no more. Amen. That's surrender. But you know what the submission is? That's obedience. That's where, that's where when the Holy Ghost said, you know, like the book of Hebrews said, today, if the Holy Ghost saith, yeah. it said, harden not your heart. But when the Holy Ghost says something, we should do it. Amen. How many times? How many times? You say, but Josh, why do you preach like this? Because it's what I need. And I'm sure it's what you need too. Amen. So many times I've heard people come to me and say, God's working in my heart about dealing with this. Well, why don't you deal with it? God's working in my heart about getting right with that person. Then why aren't you in the altar with them? Why aren't you calling them on the phone before you go to sleep to get it right? God's doctrine. He said, if you bring a gift to the altar, and you remember there you got out with your brother, he said, I'm not interested in your gift that's on the altar. He said, go get right with your brother and then come back to the altar. Dr. Aiken, is that what the word of God said? Amen. Then I'm thinking tonight about sanctification. Oh, perhaps one of the most resisted doctrines. And, and, and I, I think some of the reason is because people preached on, on standards and holiness and righteousness in the wrong spirit. And God forbid, we should not do that. We should never allow arrogance we should never allow meanness. We should never allow ourselves to get where we think we're better than somebody. Amen. Not at all. Amen. But my friend, God is holy. Amen. He said he will be sanctified in those that come nigh him. Amen. Our standard is supposed to be a standard that protects us to keep us living for God. Yep. Having a sanctified life, it's supposed to be one, for one reason. It's not supposed to elevate me. It's supposed to be, be so that we glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 
That's what it's all about. It's not about being better than somebody. I don't think I'm better than anybody. I like what the Apostle Paul said. The Apostle Paul preached this doctrine. And you know what he said? He said he was the chief of sinners. He didn't think he was better than nobody. He told everybody. He said, hey, y'all used to be drunkards, but now you need to live a holy life. He said, y'all used to be adulterers. Y'all used to be fornicators. Y'all used to be whatever, thieves or riotous people. Y'all need to live holy. He didn't think he was better than anybody. He said, this is what God said. Because the Bible said our gospel came not in word only, but in power the Holy Ghost and in much assurance as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. My friend, you know when the gospel is going to have power to touch a sinner? When they can see the power of God working in my life and in your life. But when lost people come to tabernacle and they don't see God working in you and they don't see God working in me, it's not going to have effect to where it works in them. Oh, but when they come here and they see God working in you and they see God working in me, it's going to have a whole lot more power in the message that's here. And it's written in the Bible, 1 Thessalonians chapter number 1, verse number 5. I think about the scriptures. Jesus said, my doctrine's not mine, but his that sent me. Every word of God is pure. The words of the Lord are pure words of silver tried in a furnace of earth purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. The scriptures. The Bible's important. Everything I believe is based off of this Bible. This Bible is what brought me under conviction. This Bible is what changed my life. This Bible is what brought a fear of God into my heart. This Bible is, is what I was reading the day that God told me this past January that the pulpit committee would come talk to me about being the pastor of Tabernacle Baptist Church. And when I wrestled with God and told him that is impossible, as I continued to read, this Bible is the same book that continued to tell me that. Until the day Brother Nally met me in the hallway outside of the prayer room and said, I need to ask you a question. The scriptures, it's God's word. It's how he talks to me and it's how he's going to talk to you. Amen. If the Holy Ghost speaks to your heart, it's going to be in agreement with the Word of God. Yes, Amen. This, this, thing about, uh, this thing about the Holy Ghost leading people to flop around like a fish isn't biblical, my friend. Yes, sir. Amen. That's not in the Word of God. Oh, worship is biblical. David danced before the Lord, and it was a holy thing. It wasn't an ungodly, worldly, fleshly, carnal thing. It was pure in the sight of God. My doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. All people get offended when you talk about doctrine. But yet it's written right here in the word of God. They say they love Jesus, but they get mad when you talk about it. Why is that? Because something's wrong in their heart. Something's wrong in their heart. The Bible tells us to be sweet and loving. And spirit filled. That should do away with all meanness. Let me just flip over to Ephesians chapter number four. Ephesians chapter number four, verse number 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Well, I'd say we're all guilty. Maybe we should close our Bibles and end up in the altar. Amen. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. 
Let me just ask you a blunt question. Who have you been tearing down this week? Yep. Who have I tore down this week? Yep. Who have you spoken ill of this week? Did you pray for them? Did you try to help them? Did I? Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying. Wow. The word of God swung the sword both ways. It cut us saying, don't, be, don't have corrupt communication proceeding out of your mouth. But then it swings back and says, but rather the things we do say, they're supposed to edify. That means they're supposed to build people up. God help me. God help us. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Amen. This is God's doctrine, my friend. The things I say, the things you say, they're not supposed to tear down. They're supposed to build up. Amen. They're supposed to minister grace. Amen. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. That's right. You know what, what's possible in our flesh? And what happens all too often? People get to thinking that God's okay when they do it, but not when other people do it. Right. Yep. No, my friend, yep. God's not okay if I do it. And God's not okay with it if you do it. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as Christ for God's sake hath forgiven you. Oh, we say we want to walk with God. Well, how do we do that? According to the doctrines of the word of God. Being steadfast. Thanks be unto God that giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. My friend, if the devil's trying to take you out, don't quit. If he's knocked you down, I'll never forget a night I was listening to Dr. Seitler preach while I worked in the radio. He said, if the devil knocked you down, don't stay in the mud. Get up and start another fight with him. The Bible would teach us to seek God with all of our heart. The Bible would teach us to be people of prayer and supplication. The Bible would teach us to be people of sound doctrine and of the same mind. How does that same mind come to pass? Because it's built on the doctrine of the word of God. And the unity of the Holy Ghost. Amen. May I say this? What about the doctrine of the sanctity of the church? Or the sanctity of the government? Or the sanctity of marriage in the home? The Bible said if the foundations be destroyed, what will the righteous do? Well, Satan's trying to tear down the foundation of the family. He's bringing in this, whole, this, this sodomite agenda, and it's everywhere you turn. You go and get on the airplane, and they got signs of sodomite couples. It's everywhere. But may I say this, my friend? Satan's trying to tear it apart in the church. Yep. Oh, it's important that we have a heart of love, a tender heart of compassion a heart that is quick and ready to help those who have, who have been harmed and hurt 
or perhaps their marriage has broken or their relationship has fallen upon the rocks or, or they are in ruins or, or divorced or so. We should be there to help them, to comfort them, and to love them. Amen. But at the same time, in the right spirit and according to the word of God, we should protect and preach the purity of the doctrine of God. Although that happens, that is a result of sin. That is a result of us not listening to God. That is a result of people, uh, one or both, not having obeyed God. But it was never God's plan. It was never God's way. And we need to protect that. Notice what Jesus said. Jesus answered them. This is not me speaking. And said, my doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. Will you go back to the book of Genesis, to the book of beginnings? How many of those doctrines that God started in the book of Genesis did he change? Well, he didn't change the doctrine of creation. He didn't change the doctrine of tithing, amen? Amen. You say, where's tithing in the New Testament? Well, well, before Jesus died, he told the Jews that ought you to have done and not left the other undone. He didn't change anything. He told them to keep doing it. There's no doctrine that the Lord set up in the book of Genesis that he's gone back on. Why would he change the doctrine of the home? Why would he change the doctrine of marriage? Why would he change that he has not? Now, of course, like I said, we should have the right attitude the right heart, the right spirit to help those people in those situations while at the same time preaching and teaching and warning every man not to end up in the same situation. You say, well, that's heartless. No, it's not. We help help in other situations. If people got drunk and their, their, their life was ruined in shambles, I'd preach against alcohol and that drunkard who got saved would sit on the front pew shouting hallelujah, preach the house down. Amen? Amen. God's doctrine should be our doctrine. We want to walk with God. I can't walk with God according to what I think. I can't walk with God according to what I feel. I have to have a heart that's willing to be cut by the word of God and be willing to repent and correct it. Everyone else does too. If we're going to walk with God, it has to be according to the word of God. And, and, and if we say that we're walking with God outside of his word, you're deceived. And I am too. Enoch walked with God. And you know how he did it? According to the word of God. You read the book of Hebrews chapter number 11 and they walked by faith. And you know how they did it? They walked by what God told them. The word of God. That's how you and I are to do. So as we close tonight, I have a few little points to bring out. I see here, first of all, that God himself takes possession of his doctrine. The Lord Jesus Christ said, my doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. You read through the gospel of John, the Lord Jesus Christ, he said over and over and over again, I'm not here bearing witness of myself. He said, my father bears witness of me. He said, I'm not here preaching my own message. I'm coming telling you what I heard from God in the glory world before I got here. God takes possession of his doctrine. 
Not only does God take possession, but may I say this, God has a purpose for his doctrine. Look with me in the book of Philippians chapter number two. Philippians chapter number two, verse number 12 through verse number 15. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed. Wow, what a testimony. As ye have always obeyed. Wow. Not as in my presence only but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That doesn't mean to work for your salvation. That means if it's inside, work it out. Practice it. Let God live in you. That's what the Apostle Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, which loved me. And gave himself for me. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but much more in my absence, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. God's not working in me and you for what for us, but it's for him. It's for his glory. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. Wow. How much do we murmur? How many people here are disputing with others? Notice verse 15. This is the purpose of God's doctrine in our life. This is the purpose of why it needs to be preached. That you may be blameless and harmless. The sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom you shine as lights in the world. You say, well, Brother Josh, why don't you preach this to the others? Well, I'm not the other's pastor. I have to give an account for what I preach here. I have to give an account for what I, what I counsel people here. But I'll tell you this, my friend. When we start doing what God said, those others will see it, and it will start working in their heart. Notice the next verse, holding forth the word of life that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain, holding forth the word of life. God takes possession of his doctrine. God has a purpose for his doctrine. May I say God's doctrine is pure. Proverbs 30, verse 5, every word of God is pure. In 1 John chapter number 1, or chapter number 2, verse number 21, the Bible said, I have not written unto you because you know not the truth. My friend, I haven't preached anything tonight you've not heard before. Yep, yep. John is saying right here, I'm preaching something you know, but I'm here to remind you. Amen. I have not written unto you because you know not the truth, but because you know it and that no lie is of the truth. Right. My friend, these are the doctrines of the word of God. Amen. It's pure. Do you want to walk with the Lord, my friend? Then we need to walk in these things according to the will of God. May I say this? Not only does God take possession of his doctrine, not only does he have a purpose for his doctrine, not only is his doctrine pure, but, but it's, it's, it's even beyond pure. It's perfect. It's perfect. 
when we practice what God said, oh yeah, there'll be opposition. The devil will fight. The world will fight. The flesh will fight. The enemies of God will fight. But God will be glorified. This is God's way. This is God's way. The Bible said in Psalm 1830, if you'll turn there with me. Psalm 1830. As for God, his way is perfect. Well, that would mean his doctrines, right? His teaching, his way, yeah. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all those that trust in him. Even when we live out the doctrine of God and we do things God's way, that doesn't mean it's always going to be rosy, but it'll be right. You won't have to turn around and say sorry if you did what God said. You won't have to turn around and say sorry if you did it the way that God said. Look at chapter nine, or Psalm 19, verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect. My friend, God's doctrine is perfect. Jesus said, my doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. May I say this? God's doctrine is also productive. Look with me in John chapter 15. John chapter 15, verse number 4. Well, I'll just read from verse 1 through verse number 4. The Lord Jesus Christ said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husband man. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Notice verse number 4. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in me, except it abide in the vine. No, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. Amen. How do we abide in him? In his word, yeah. in his yeah. doctrine, yeah. in what he taught. Yeah. May I say this? I'm almost finished. God's doctrine, he took possession of it. It has a purpose for our life that we can live godly and holy and righteously and bring glory to God. It's pure, no contamination. It's perfect. It's productive. May I say God's doctrine is peaceful. Now, the doctrine is peaceful, but there are many people. You read the Fox's Book of Martyrs because people refuse to be, to, to be baptized by the Catholic Church or because they refused to obey the Catholic Church and they read the Word of God or, or they were involved in translating the Word of God. They were martyred, they were killed, they were persecuted, they were hated. My friend, I'm not telling you there's not going to be opposition. Yep. I'm just going to say you're going to have a lot of peace while there is opposition. First John chapter number 5, verse number 3. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. And then last, I want to say this. Notice with me how passionate God is about his doctrine. He wrote a book about it. He allowed his servants to be martyred for it. Over 2,000 years, 40-something authors, I believe, 
He wrote us a love letter that tells us how to know him, how to walk with him. Matthew chapter 28, and I'll be finished. God is so passionate about his doctrine that he wants us to promote it, to preach it, and to practice it. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20. And Jesus came. And I just want you to notice this is, this is the main, I mean, this is like, this is the commission after the resurrection. He's getting ready to ascend back into the glory world. And this is the message he wants them to take to the world. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. That would deal with the gospel. Well, why? Because of what the next thing says. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. But then look at what he said next. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. How many times have heard, well, that church has got its issues, but, but they preach the gospel there. Well, what did, what did the Lord say? My friend, do you want wisdom in walking with God? I know I want wisdom in walking with God. And if we're going to walk with God, it's going to be this way. Let's stand. Brother Stevens, do we have that song in the songbook, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus? Do you know it? All right. We're going to sing that song. The altar's open. If the Lord has spoken to your heart. Sing it with me if you know it. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. The world behind me. The cross before me.
제가 내일 한국에 가야 하니까 나를 위해 기도해 주세요. Um, because tomorrow I have to go to Korea. Please pray for me. Let's pray. God, work in hearts. May the will of the Lord be done. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.